Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Analyst at the Cricket World Cup. We're just seeing the sun set at Edgebaston and the sun has probably set on South Africa as well after this defeat to New Zealand. Actually, we've had two days of contrasting matches with the, the sixth fest at Old Trafford yesterday, England against Afghanistan, in which 33 sixes were hit, 17, of course, by Owen Morgan, and today only seven in the whole match between New Zealand and South Africa, which New Zealand, in the end, came through to win by four wickets. But, Simon, actually, probably it's the beam, it hasn't had the explosive hitting, but today's game is probably one of the best, if not the best, of the tournament so far. Well, it was, a, it was a gripping slow burner. I mean, hard to compare in a way, because this was these were two well-matched teams, New Zealand and South Africa. The game between England and Afghanistan was a mismatch. Afghanistan, there's lots of infighting going on in, in their squad. You know, players who started the tournament at the top of the order are no longer in the team. They've mixed and matched, and they were thrashed by England at Old Trafford. It was a mismatch, and once you know England got away, then there was only going to be one result, and there's only going to be one result before the game started. Based on what I've seen from Afghanistan so far, they've been really poor, really disappointing, which is a shame, because coming into the World Cup, we thought they might... You know, tweak a few noses and win a game or two. It hasn't happened. They've been poor. So it's hard. I think it's hard to compare the two games. But you, you do obviously have that contrast between the number of sixes hit yesterday. But in a way, in a strange way, I think actually the fact that Morgan hit those seventeen sixes lifted the game from the mundane. Because without it, it would have been you know just a, a, a routine World Cup victory. But you know, people are talking about it because of what Morgan did. Thank goodness, actually, that England decided to bat first and won the toss because. If it had been the other way round, you could see Afghanistan getting bowled out for about 180 or something like that, and then England knocking it off in 20-odd 20, 20 overs and just wouldn't have been much of a, of a day's cricket. I, I met a kid after the game at Old Trafford, actually, on the, the tram platform. I, I really like Old Trafford. for you, you get the tram into town to the ground from 
the station or you know hotel or whatever and I, I just like sort of mingling with the locals afterwards so actually after the India Pakistan game I stood in the tram queue and talked to Indians and Pakistanis and there was a, there was a classic line one of the Indians uh, who said it was seventy percent Indians in the crowd and only thirty percent Pakistani and I said why do, why do you think that was and he said well he said the Indians buy the tickets the Pakistanis sell the tickets he said so uh, that was a sort of ironic comment but um, it just it's just interesting listening to to the feedback and the feedback from England's game on uh, Tuesday at uh, Old Trafford with all those runs scored I said to a kid of eleven. All those sixes, you, you, don't get bored. And he went, no, I love them. He said, I love all these sixes, great fun. I said, well, don't, don't you want to see wickets and bowlers? No, he said, I just love love seeing sixes. Yeah. And he was an intelligent kid who obviously liked the game, followed the game. So it delivered that match, if, if not as a match, at least as an exhibition of incredible shots. Well, I, I really liked the game in Grenada, the 418 played 387 or 389 game that England played against West Indies. I mean, it, was a, it was a thrilling occasion. It was really tough for the bowlers. You wouldn't want every single match to be like that. And in fact, very few games in this World Cup have been like that. But I, I actually found that an engrossing, gripping game. Um, mainly because it was that that feeling of you know could West Indies chase down 420 against the, the World Cup favourites. So yeah, I, I can see why you would say that. Just a reminder, by the way, that this podcast is brought to you by Cricket 19, the official video game of the Ashes. To purchase and for more information, go to Amazon.co.uk. Just um, we should review the tournament overall before we get into the detail and the nitty-gritty. So the table tonight stands uh, with New Zealand on top. Impressive performance, nine points, having not lost a game, but obviously one to the weather. And then England, Australia and India fairly close behind them with eight and seven points respectively. And it feels like those four teams, New Zealand, England, Australia and India, are opening up just enough of a gap to suggest it's you talked about a six-team tournament last week now it's a four-team tournament yeah it feels like a four-team tournament it's, it's perverse actually that the, the in a way the best game of the world cup has just ruined it <laughs> or ru- ruined the group stage because you know we could have lots of games now in, in the re- you know remaining part of the world cup that are not going to mean a huge deal it's not got to that stage yet every game still matters at the moment um we could talk about the format. I mean, we said at the start, didn't we, that we we didn't quite know how it was going to play out. It could just end up being a procession, and it could well be now. It looks more likely to be that than you know every game really matters. And you don't know until you you play the World Cup in in, in this format how it's going to turn out. What's happened is that you know that the strong teams have have won their games, and that those middle teams have have not won enough games against the stronger teams. You know, I'm thinking of say Pakistan against Australia, for example. There haven't been any upsets really. Not, not enough upsets. I mean there have been a few games that have gone against the head. You know, Pakistan beating England went against the head. Bangladesh Bang- beating South Africa. Yeah, they, they probably people feel that game went against the head as well. But there probably haven't been enough of those games to mean that you know there's a real uh, interest right throughout the tournament on, on every single uh, result. And, and I think another problem with the format of the competition is the fact that the teams that finish first and second aren't that well rewarded in the group stage. If that happened as well, like it, ha- like it happens in the IPL, then you would have those later games, the, when, you know, when the big guns are playing each other in, in the tournament, those games would matter more as well because you'd be fighting for first and second place. You know, For example, if the team that finished first in the group I don't know, perhaps went all straight to the final, I don't know how you'd, you'd have to have a, a formula where 
uh, you know, you rewarded the first team. But in the IPL, for example, if you finished top of the group, you have two you chances, two chances of, getting to the final. of getting to the final, which mm. I think is, is the right way. What it yeah. means is an extra game, and they probably felt, well, the tournament was already long enough, so that would put another mm. three days on the tournament, and it means that you probably can't have a, you know, a weekend final, or you know, it, they'd have to start it even earlier. Mm. And we've already had the debate about you know, rain days, mm. and should there be a rain day for every match, and the ICC saying, well, that just extend the tournament e- e- even further. It's already yeah. long enough. So yeah. that's probably why they didn't go for that. But I I think if you can have a, a group stage like this, to maintain that interest throughout, you've got to reward at least the team that finished top of the group. Well, the team that are top of the group are New Zealand, and I thought I'd just chat to one of their former players briefly after the game today. It's Simon Dool, who was an excellent seam bowler for New Zealand 15 years or so ago, uh, and is now an excellent commentator, and by the way, extremely good golfer as well. And I just talked to him about this typical New Zealand performance which again illustrated how often the whole is greater than the sum of their parts I mean you've always got a good team atmosphere in any New Zealand side and and I mean I know people I don't like the saying that they're punching above their weight all those sorts of things we've now you know the semi-finals that we've made we're a better side than punching above your weight. Um, there's a couple of world-class players on this side, and that you know we saw one of them today, and, and Kane Williamson just do something that we're just getting used to seeing him doing, which we shouldn't. We, we shouldn't get used to that sort of thing. Um, but everybody chips in today. Colin de Grandom um, with the ball, with the bat. Uh, just someone finds a way to do something uh, because they believe. They believe they can, and I think that's one of the keys to it. Mitchell Sandner is one of those cricketers actually mm. who. You sort of, I, I remember seeing this IPL game when he hit six off the last yeah. ball to win a game against the Royals, you know, Ben Stokes. And, and his bowling is, is, is sort of undervalued or underrated, mm. may, maybe. But he just does a job and he looks very confident, he looks calm. They call him Flatline for a reason, because that's exactly what he is. Um, Mitch is a better-than-scratch golfer. Like he would be the best golfing Cricketer, I think I've ever seen, and, you, and that's and better you'd than know that, well, that's better than Ponting, better than Blewett, uh, uh, comfortably better than all those guys. So he's, he's a skillful sportsman. Um, bowling is, you know, it's coming along leaps and bounds. Virat Kohli said, uh, I think two years ago when New Zealand toured India, that uh, Mitchell Santner was the best left arm spinner that had been to India in a number of years. So he, you know, he rated him highly. He's got uh, just the flight and the guile of a Daniel Vittori. He's learned a lot from Dan. Um, yeah, just a, he's a good kid. And, and you'll, you know, I think in the team environment they'll get laughs and things out of him. But uh, out in the field, he just doesn't change. He's just calm and cool and pretty collected. And Kane Williamson, you mentioned at the start. I mean, it, it, Kane Williamson, you just <laughs> you run out of superlatives, yeah. really, don't you? Because he, he just seems to have a shot. He seems to have a, an approach for every situation. He just seems so. There's an inevitability mm. about the way he plays. Yeah, and it was tough today. It was really hard work, and you saw him struggle at times. And he gave a couple of chances, and you know South Africa will rue that little court behind the the, ed, the bottom of the bat, which they didn't uh, appeal. They didn't for. go, didn't go up for. And Quinton de Kock, I just thought maybe he just went missing for for a little bit of time there. He he, he thought the game was over because Tahir heard it, and he was convinced. And de Kock just showed absolutely no emotion with it, which was. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Williamson, brilliant though, yours. Absolutely brilliant. So a brief chat with Simon Dool there before he was taken off by TV, one of about 18 TV stations covering the game, of course. Uh, So, you know, the points you make there, well, particularly Williamson, I mean, 
he's an extraordinary player, isn't he? He just seems always unruffled and just always delivers. Oh, it was, it was such a good innings. It really was. That determination to get his team over the line. It was a really hard-working pitch. Tough batting conditions, slow pitch, slowest of the tournament so far. The shot I admired most, I mean, people look back at the six he hit in the last over. The shot I really admired was that little deft dab down to third man from the last ball, the penultimate over, when the pressure really built up. Because some players attempted in that situation to go for the big shot, you know, I've just got to go for it. But he didn't. He just used the... Well, there wasn't much pace on the ball at all, but it was all about that finesse. And it's almost take a risk, because if it hadn't gone for four, if it had only been one, or if it had been another dot ball, then it had been really hard for New Zealand to, to win in that final over. So, beautiful batting. Uh, yeah, he had his luck, of course. He should have been... Given out. Given out, caught behind. Well, mm. he... They didn't appeal, they, Well, not enough... There was not enough of a concerted appeal. Well, it wasn't an appeal at all, well, as far as I can tell. Imran Tahir went up for it. Whether you consider that to be an appeal or not, whether he actually turned round to the umpire and said, how is that, Mr Umpire, Mr Nigel Long, I, d- I don't know. But, I mean, he was interested, but there was nothing from de Kock, and there was... You know, they had the chance to review it, and they, and they didn't take it. And it would have been given out on review, because there was definitely a spike on the ultra edge. But uh, I, I liked just, uh, you mentioned that, that deftness of, of touch of Williamson. And actually, the, the South Africans tried to outwit him by posting a slip fielder to stop that little soft block dab for a single which gets him off strike. But he just managed to avoid playing that shot for a little while and then steering it wide of that uh, fielder. It's like threading a needle, the way he can just angle the face of the bat and glide the ball just out of reach of fielders with that incredibly subtle... Uh, use of his wrists and so on, and yet he's still got the power to hit hit sixes as well, and you know rotation of the strike and no apparent uh, feeling of of pressure at all, despite the fact he's in this situation so often. Big crowd at Edgbaston today. I actually was su- surprised. I mean, New Zealand, South Africa. You know, you don't have what you don't have are the the Asian supporters. You know, involved in the game because it's not their team. But you, you know, if Bangladesh are playing or India are playing or Pakistan are playing. You know, you, you get big crowds. But a New Zealand, South Africa game to Edgbaston drew in a near capacity crowd, which is great for the tournament. And the crowds have been really good, I think. I've been mm. surprised, actually, how many people have been at the, at the various games. Uh, only one or two places where there was a, a poor crowd, I think in you know, Sri Lanka against Afghanistan in Cardiff, there was a, a, a poor crowd. But then, you know, it wasn't a great day and it had been raining. That may have kept a few people away. But what's your feeling about what, what sort of impact the tournament has made? Looked around the cities that we've been in, uh, notably Manchester, there isn't, you know, a huge amount of World Cup presence. There's not, a, and there's not a buzz in the same way, obviously, as there would be if it was the Football World Cup. I, think I find it a bit disappointing that sort of BBC Breakfast has done a sort of big feature on the Women's Football World Cup, which I know is is a good tournament and good event, but it's got six minutes on breakfast, and the Cricket World Cup's got two after the Women's Football. So. It's a bit disappointing. Um, certainly, it, amongst my friends, they're starting to get get into it, but obviously the rain hasn't really helped. So 
I don't think the exposure is great. There is the potential for the final to be on free-to-air TV. It won't be the BBC because it's the men's Wimbledon final on the 14th of July, which, of course, the BBC have and will put a, a lot of emphasis on. So they couldn't show the Cricket World Cup final on the same day. But it might be on another channel. It might be Sky might put it on YouTube. There's a lot of negotiations going on at the moment. And I, I, that makes it even more important that England get to the final, of course, for the future of the game. Whether they will or not, I mean, you mentioned about crowds... And, of course, India and you know, the other Asian countries have that extra man on the field, which is the crowd. You know, because wherever you go, it's more Indian. Even the final at Lords, say the, the final at Lords is England v India, it will still be probably 60% Indian fans, and they make more noise, and they just get more up for it. So, it, you know, that's the thing that England will have to overcome as much as the Indian players on the field. Yeah, well, that comes back to my point about, you know, there are co-hosts for this World Cup. You know, <laughs> England are not the only home team at this World Cup. Um, they will get a, a sense of that on this ground in uh, you know, a few days' time uh, when they play against India. Edgbaston will mm, be packed that day yeah. and there'll be mm. a tremendous atmosphere. And you're, you're right, it'll probably be 70% India supporters making an enormous amount of noise and backing their players. And also, I thought it was quite interesting, the, the pitch for this match... You know, slow, hard-working for the batsmen, in contrast, actually, to, to most of the pitches that we've seen so far. And I wonder, and it turned a bit as well, and I wonder whether the, the, the pitch, not just the crowd, but the pitch will support, will help India as well. Mm. Maybe. Uh, but England like to play it, on belters, don't they, really? I suppose they do. Of course, it was here where they their resurgence began when they got the 400 against New Zealand in uh, mid-summer of 2015, even though Jason Roy was out to the first ball. <clears throat> Jason Roy, will he come back? Uh, I, I watched him uh, yesterday at, the, at Old Trafford to see how fit he was. He was linesman at the England football match, mm-hmm. uh, pre-match to the game. Uh, England are still playing football, by the way, but their, their numbers are being gradually depleted. <laughs> so, you know, Roy's not playing because of his hamstring. Uh, Bearstow, because of his broken ankle in the winter, he doesn't play football. Morgan was missing yesterday uh, uh, for a precaution. They tend to put Stokes in goal because he might get hit sort of some kind of injury. So gradually their <laughs> numbers are dwindling playing football. But Roy actually was... do what the Afghanis do, which is play with a frisbee rather than yeah, football. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But um, the... the uh, the feeling was that Roy was moving around reasonably well. He wasn't laid up. You know, he was keeping his, his legs and, and body generally active, so maybe it's not quite as bad as people are sort of fearing. The problem with the hamstring injury is when you've got to go for it. You know, when you're running a, a, a tight two or you're, you're a sharp single and you haven't given that injury enough time. I mean, you know, the medical care for the, the players these days is, you know, is of a very high standard. But you know, in, inevitably, with a hamstring injury, there's a problem. I mean, Roy's had this injury before, and it's, it's reoccurred. So you, you, you never quite know. And it, always, it puts a doubt in the back of your mind as well about really testing it out. So it's such a tricky injury, a, a hamstring. Have you ever had a hamstring injury? No, I luckily haven't, actually. Yes. I mean, backs and hamstrings... No, never experienced, so I suppose I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. But talking of that, and you know, we have a look at the the table, and we look at the teams that have probably pretty much out of it now, like South Africa, like Sri Lanka, and 
why is that? And I think that one of the things that 50 over cricket really does expose is fitness. Just having the general fitness to be able to contribute in the field for 50 overs. In a 20 over game, you can hide players. You can hide a Chris Gale at short fine leg or an Imran Tahir or whoever it is uh, because the ball's not going to go there very much. But in 50 overs, a 360 degree game, with all that time, three and a half hours out in the field, you can't afford a weak link. So I think those sides that have entrusted the older players, the Chris Gales, the, the uh, Mohammed Hafiz, Shoaib Malik, people like that, Sri Lanka, going with one or two of their older players, they are found out. Whereas England, Australia, New Zealand, India, those teams haven't got any old players. They've got players absolutely at the peak of their fitness, and it really is starting to tell. It's like what you call, I would call, total cricket. Do you not think they're just better teams, though? I mean, there is a bit of that as well, but I d- undoubtedly, physical fitness and suppleness and agility is is going to count. Well, there's no, there's no doubt it's an extra factor, isn't it? If you if you've got a team where you've got to hide three or four players in the field, or even two. Well, look at the West Indies. Yeah. You know, they, they, they Andre Russell's injured. They don't really know where to put Chris Gale. Someone like O'Shane Thomas, after he's bowled four or five overs, can barely kind of break into a, a jog. You know, so there's sort of there's lots of gaps in the field, and uh, the bat, bats, good bat, batsmen exploit that. Absolutely, that, that's the thing, isn't it? But good batsmen terrorise the, the, those sort of fielders. So, yeah. but you, when you've got a Bearstow batting, you know, herring up and down. Actually, by the way, now here's here's an interesting question. Now everybody thinks that. Johnny Bairstow's the quickest between the wickets uh, for England. But actually, I've been measuring speeds. In the uh, videotape truck, as part of the TV coverage, we have this piece of kit called a Higo, which is a, a... I think it's a German piece of technology, which is optical scanning of players on the field, and it monitors all their movements and their speeds. And actually, the quickest runners in the England team are Jofra Archer and Joss Butler. And so if ever Butler and Archer are batting together, which, I mean, is a bit unlikely, but if they were and they were running twos, those would probably be the two quickest runners in the whole competition. You say they might not bat together. Who knows? They could be together with England seven down in the final at Laws, needing 20 to win or two overs. And, and it shows it shows how silly it is, really, that Joss Butler gets run out of the bowler's end because he doesn't need to. He's so quick. He's you, got mean, a, you mean man-cutted? Yeah, yeah. He, he's got th- speeds of uh, uh, over 35 kilometres an hour, which is Usain Bolt is 44 kilometres an hour peak, but uh, Butler 35 is pretty good. Yeah, it makes such a difference, doesn't it, to have the, those fit, flexible, quick players. I was really sad, actually, I think, in Taunton on Monday to see Andre Russell on the field at mm. the end of the game. You know, West Indies were being battered. They were only short and crashed everywhere by Bangladesh. Fantastic day out for Bangladesh and their support. And to see Andre Russell barely being able to move, it was, it was a bit like watching you know, a, a, a World Cup match that's gone to extra time. You, you, you've got to have your 11 players on the field, but you've got one who's seriously injured and he's perhaps a full-back who has to play up front and just hobble around his nuisance value. And that's what it felt like. And you feel like this is the, you know, the World Cup. It shouldn't really be like that. But Russell struggling. Gale, um, you know, he clearly finds it hard in the field. It must actually be a bit of a torture to be in the field for... 50 overs, knowing that you can't contribute as much as others. Do you, do you know what I mean? Mm. You for your self-respect, it, it, it must be really hard. I remember watching Sachin Tendulkar towards the end of his career, and, and every time the ball went near him, they'd just take a single. And it's so humiliating for a fielder 
for that to happen. But you, you, you sort of weigh it up, don't you? You know, are we going to get more, you know, from the bat of those two players and the ball in, in Andre Russell's case? You know, then are we going to lose it in the field? Because the other day in, in Taunton, Gale out for naught, Russell out for naught. So they, you know, they didn't gain anything from the bat of either of those batsmen. So. Yeah, well, perhaps it, it is a lesson, but you, you know what it's like. You cricket is a, it's, 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 it's still of, a skills. It's game. still a skills game. Yeah, well, but what you want is, clearly is you combine the both. You know, if you can get the skills and the fitness, then you know you're, you're well on the way. And that's why, of course, India, Australia, and England, and to some extent New Zealand as well, where they've got the, the all-round skills remains mm. to be seen. But why those? Definitely those three teams are looking very strong in this tournament. And I have to applaud on the, the basis of you know fitness and commitment and, uh, and stuff generally. I really have to applaud Joe Root, who you know I watched him practice at Manchester on Monday and it was raining, so they were indoors. But Root was in the nets at 10 in the morning. He faced the spinners for probably 45 minutes and then had a little break. And then he went and had throwdowns for another 45 minutes with... Uh, Chris Silverwood and Paul Collingwood virtually virtually ripping their shoulders out, hurling them down at him, and he just batted immaculately. And then after that, he got out and bowled, and bowled his off-spinners, and he's bowling leg-spinners, off-spinners, and little uh, knuckle-balls now as well, experimenting with those. And then he went outside where it had stopped raining, and he did some fielding on his own. Firstly, slip-fielding with these rather funny contraptions that the fielding coach, Carl <coughs> Hopkinson, uses bit like a sort of V-shaped piece of cardboard, which he hides the ball behind and flicks it off to make it glance off in funny directions. Then at the end, he hits some high catches with a tennis racket and a sort of artificial ball. And what he does is, as Root is about to catch these balls over his shoulder, he waves one of those sort of long foam pipe things that you see in swimming pools for mm. children. He waves one of those around his head to try and distract him. To take the catch, sort of almost like replicating the uh, sound of the crowd or the distractions of a big event or whatever. Well, if you're on the boundary, there are spectators, you know, who supporting the other team who try to put you off, don't yes, they? When, quite. when you're trying to take the catch. So, so and, and that was, uh, I'd say, Root was out there for two and a half hours mm. in all the day before a game, and you know he's batting immaculately at the moment, third time the highest run score in the tournament. Uh, so. You know the fitness part of it, as well as the skills part of it, is is so important. If Roy doesn't make it, if, you know, if Roy has another you know, recurrence of this hamstring injury, uh, what what do England do? Who do they call in? People have said maybe they could go to Alex Hales. I can't see that uh, as being a, a logical or likely outcome for the simple reason that the reason why they decided to not persevere with him or exclude him from the squad in the first place was because he let the team down. You know, the, the, I go back to 2003, the England rugby team, the way they set up their campaign, the way they just, just got this momentum in their team and all of them practising abstinence, all, all of them you know, not drinking for several months on end, uh, really making sure they ate sensibly and slept sensibly. And they, they sensed it was their moment, the likes of Matt Dawson and Martin Johnson and uh, Johnny Wilkinson and others, you know, sensed it was, it was their time. The team was just all coming together. And I'm sure this England cricket team feel the same. They don't want anything to jeopardise that. And Hales's attitude did. So they're not going to be welcoming him back. And anyway, he hasn't played any cricket since May the 12th. So I can't see that happening. But I sort of felt, looking at Roy in that football match yesterday, that 
He might be back within 10 days or so. Yeah, well, that's that's true. He might well be. But the point I'm making is that hamstring injuries, mm. you know, suddenly they just go again, don't they? You've got, you've got that weakness there because it already has reoccurred. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, it would be a huge blow. I mean, a fit Jason Roy is, you know, big player for England. It would be a huge blow if they eventually have to say goodbye to him. You know, I can see him coming back. But then you you know you always that fear you know when's it going to go again? Well, England will desperately hope it doesn't. The other point about Roy as well, you talk about you know, just for this World Cup. I mean, there's a decent chance, there's a decent, very decent chance that he could be part of the Ashes squad as well. The simple reason that England are struggling at the top of the order, uh, you know, it's a very different game, of course. But Roy, you know, clearly is a quality player, mm. and you know, you think, well, look at who they have tried. It's 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 failed. They've mm. all you know all everyone just about has failed. So why not give Roy a go? You know, it's sort of least worst option. So there's that prospect as well. So there's a, a huge amount to play for for Jason Roy this summer because I'm pretty sure the England selectors are considering him for the Ashes. I'm not mm. saying he's definitely going to play, but he's certainly under consideration for playing in the Ashes. And another one will be Archer, for sure. You know, everybody I talk to, all the commentators, you know, the, the likes of McCullum and Sangakara and... Uh, Brian Lara, people like that have all been around the game over the last few few days. They're really impressed with Archer. They just think his deception is, is so great. And by the way, one other thing I discovered from looking very carefully at the TV, the other outstanding bowler probably in this tournament is Jasper Brumra. And I worked out that his release point of the ball is over half a metre in front of the of the crease because of the extraordinary uh, flexibility of his body and the unusual position he gets into, he lets go of the ball half, almost half a metre closer to the batsman, legally, than anybody else. So that explains why he's able to get that deceptive pace. Because one of the things about bowling is the longer you hold on to the ball as your arm is coming over, the more momentum you're adding to that ball, plus letting go of it nearer to the batsman, so he's got less time to react. Mm. But it's you know it's a funny tournament, isn't it? Been lots of interesting individual performances, but so far until today, no clincher matches. Mm. Yeah, well, hopefully that's not going to be the World Cup legacy. That it's just going to be almost a tournament of individual brilliance rather than team bonding and and kind of team unity prevailing in the end. Well, we need some more close finishes like the the match at Edgbaston today. And what you tend to find, though, 50-over cricket, there are fewer really tight finishes. 20-over cricket lends itself to last mm. over or, or close finishes, but you know, by its very nature, not every week, but more often than not. Whereas 50-overs t- teams tend to take control of matches. And, and when you do get a, a game like we've had today, you say, thank goodness for that, because the World Cup um, could do with it. And... But having said that, of course, um, in, a, in a way, for the supporters of Pakistan and Bangladesh and, and South Africa, it was the wrong result because I think everyone who wasn't a, a Kiwi supporter were desperately hoping that South Africa were going to win this match. It, it hasn't happened, so we started with 10, then we I think we're down to 6, and it looks as if, unless we get some dramatic results in the next uh, week or so, it looks as if... We are down to four. We're still over two weeks left of the group stage. Just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Cricket 19, the official video game of the Ashes. Go for more information to amazon.co.uk. Where are you heading to next? I'm heading to Leeds for Sri Lanka against England on Friday at Headingley. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm 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 going to be at home at Lords actually for a couple of games. Lords suddenly enters the fray, the World Cup in its third week. So despite the relentless schedule of the World Cup, which is sending us all over the country, actually we're really enjoying it. We hope you are too. We'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.